welcome to Awaken Podcast. I hope you enjoy the teaching. Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Jenna, if we haven't met. I work with our students here at Awaken, and I would like to start this morning with a slow clap for all of you for coming out to church the day after fireworks. (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) But seriously, it does take a lot out of you if you're like a dog or a little child. I think the trauma of working through that is still happening in my household. Um, So this morning we are continuing in our series um, where we have been going around the room. If you notice, there are these beautiful stained glass windows and there are figures in each of them. And so this series we've been doing um, have been, has been partly historical where we're talking about the people that are showing up in these windows. But also there is a beatitude. Hey, Jode. This is my friend Jody. <laughs> Just coming in. I set you up right there. <laughs> we've never used the elevator before. <laughs> Love it. Perfect timing, honey. <laughs> Jody, everybody. <laughs> um, and connected in those windows is a B attitude. And so we've been doing this series on the B attitudes. And I will be very honest with you for a moment. When Micah told me that we were doing this series, my first reaction was, this is awesome. Number one, because I love history, and I think it's such a fascinating thing to like take advantage of the history that surrounds us. This building was built in 1939. So it's very exciting, but also like for the Beatitudes part, I was kind of like, yeah, it's the Beatitudes. We all know this. This is like the series where we learn how to be a model Christian in three points. Um, <laughs> I'm fully prepared to tell you about how to be meek today. And <laughs> um, but honestly, though, that first week when Micah opened the series and like proposed that maybe. This isn't a series that tells us like how to be better Christians and what we need to do, but actually it's this unexpected announcement that Jesus is proclaiming something about the kingdom, something about who belongs in the kingdom. And I'm sitting over here, tears, just streaming down my face, having a very spiritual moment. (laughs) Praise God! Um, Because there was a part of me that was like, relieved. Um, That no matter how familiar something is, no matter how much I feel like I already know something, there's always this possibility for like this fresh wind to blow on something that is tired and stale. Um, That being said, I am so excited to get to talk about the meek this morning. So if you are able, um, I'd invite you to stand for the reading of the word. We are in Matthew 5, and I'm just starting from the beginning of the Beatitudes here. So verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Pray with me. God, we ask that your spirit would blow through this room this morning. The places that are tired and stale in us, that you would revive and speak life to. 
God, I ask that you would help us to be present to you in a new way, in ways where we have never heard you. In your name we pray. Amen. You can have a seat. So the Greek word for meek is praus. Um, according to the Greek lexicon, which is just like the Greek version of the dictionary, it's just a fancy word for it, um, it's defined as mildness of disposition, gentleness of spirit, meekness. And can I just say, so I copied and pasted that, and everybody knows that you can't define a word with the word. So I found myself a little irritated, because <laughs> that doesn't help me understand what meekness is. Um, but for accuracy's sake, I just stuck that up there for you. Um, but there's this pulse, or the current of this word is like um, this softness almost. And so when I was thinking about it, it kind of reminds me of my mom. And when I would come home after like a long, hard day, and I was sad or mad or whatever emotion teenage Jenna brought to her mother, and my mom just had this soft presence that seemed to de-escalate all of the hardness of that emotion. I think we all hopefully have those people that just have enough room in who they are to hold all of you and whatever you bring. And so that is kind of this pulse beneath the word. And so if you turn your attention to the windows this morning, blessed are the meek is the second window. And I would, well, well, I'll put that up there in a second. Um, I would really like to ask you guys to notice that this is the second window and we're in the third week. Um, so we've known about the dates that we'd be preaching for a long time. And I went to my window to take a picture of it to like study my people. And I had a mild heart attack because <laughs> I'm thinking I wrote the date down wrong. Like I'm going second, not third. Jury's out on whether that's an overreaction or not. <laughs> but I was really freaked out about it. And so I opened my Bible to pray. I'm just kidding. I didn't do that. I opened my Bible to read the Beatitudes to see, like, is this actually second or is it third? Um, and sure enough, in my translation, it was third. So I'm like, okay, whatever. I was fine after that. And as I was studying, I learned something very fascinating so in the earliest manuscripts, these two Beatitudes are flip-flopped. So it goes, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are the meek, blessed are those who mourn. And the Catholic Bible uses those earliest manuscripts. And so we're in a Catholic building, you guys. Hence, second window. <laughs> there you go. That's free. <laughs> Hours of study in 30 seconds of speech. <laughs> Um, but if you do focus your attention to the window, we'll put it up here. And so you can't really see it very well, but I wanted to start with that first central figure there. Um, his name is St. Francis de Sales, and he was around in the 15 and 1600s in France. He was the son of a French senator, and his whole life he was being groomed to basically take his dad's place. So he goes to law school, he gets his doctorate, he comes home and he drops this bomb on his parents and says, guys, I want to be a priest. Dad freaks out. And they say that like the gentleness of his spirit, he just waited it out. Just waited it out until his parents were cool with it. He ends up becoming ordained at 35. And 
kind of his ministry was characterized by this gentleness. Um, he took most seriously the words of Christ, learn from me for I am meek and humble. They say it took him 20 years to conquer his temper, which nobody knew he had a short fuse because he's this gentle man. Um, I would like to read a quote from him. This is pretty telling of who this person is. So our friend Fran says, the person who possesses Christian meekness is affectionate and tender towards everyone. He is disposed to forgive and excuse the frailty of others. The goodness of his heart appears in sweet affability that influences his words and actions, presents every object to view in the most charitable and pleasing light. This is probably why he was a saint. (laughs) I don't think I will ever be known for that or make it into a window, but here's to hoping. Um, St. Luke is our second figure in the window, so he's in the lower left there. Um, According to tradition, Luke is the writer of the Gospel of Luke and Acts. Um, Meekness is attributed to Luke because of the themes that come out from his writings. So if you go through like the book of Acts and Luke, you'll see themes where um, the socially marginalized are elevated, the poor. Women play a huge role in his Gospel. Um, And Jesus, like the... The outstanding characteristic of Jesus in his gospel is this compassionate and merciful figure. Um, According to AmericanCatholic.org, Luke is the patron saint of artists, painters, brewers, (laughs) and, drumroll please, okay, (laughs) notaries. I really, like, I know Protestants have quirky things, too, but I just, I, I didn't get it. <laughs> um, and the third figure in the opposite corner is St. Columba of Iona. So he was around in the 6th century Ireland. Um, he was ordained at 25. Uh, he spent his life starting minis- uh, monasteries and basically was this missionary who went all around starting up these monasteries. Um, And so here's where it gets really intense, because part of the monastic life is you translate manuscripts, you do translation work. And he ends up getting into this disagreement with the abbot, who is like over him in the hierarchy. I don't know the details of the disagreement, but it ends up turning into a battle where 3,000 people die over this manuscript. And I don't, I mean, I recognize that there are like cultural and contextual things there, but how does it actually get to that point where like people are dying over this? And so naturally, I think he saw his responsibility in that, and so he ends up in his guilt um, exiling himself from Ireland. And he goes to Scotland, and kind of his mentality in the best sense of the word Um, his goal was to convert as many people to Christianity as lost their lives in this battle. Um, And I think, I mean, I don't think you can hold something like that in your life and not have it affect every single action um, that you take moving forward. And so he ends up starting a monastery there that that is still world-renowned. It's on the island of Iona, hence where he gets his name. And when I was studying him, so if I'm allowed to have a favorite, he's my favorite. 
Um, and mostly because, like, when we examine the two other figures, you can kind of see the meekness and the gentleness and the mildness come out. But he does not fit to me. One of the articles I read said that he had, like, this vigorous personality. And when I think of meekness, I just don't think that. Um, and so it, it raised some questions as to why he's included in this. Um, and so before we get started and we really engage what Jesus is, is doing when he's saying that the meek inherits the earth, I'd like to clarify what meekness is not. Meekness is not weakness. And I don't know if it's just because it rhymes that like, we connect those things in our brains, but it's not. It is not fear. A person who is meek is not somebody who doesn't have a backbone. Um, and as I was studying, I was constantly coming up against these misconceptions. Um, but meekness is not weakness. Um, and I say that because sometimes to be able to better engage fully what something is, we have to define what it's not. Um, and so similarly to last week, we are going to examine two questions as we enter the text this morning. Um, and the first is this. What is Jesus saying to his audience um, when he is announcing this blessing of the meek? And second, what is he saying to us this morning? So for first century listeners, meekness is not a new thing. Meekness was something that was actually like desired and valued. Um, the Old Testament actually ascribes this attribute to a very significant figure. So Numbers 12.3, you want to put that up there. Now the man, blank, was very meek above all the men which were upon the face of the earth. So for a thousand Torah points, right, Micah? That's what we give out? Okay. For a thousand Torah points, who is this man? Moses. We're giving out points today. <laughs> it's Moses. Moses is one of the most significant and beloved figures in all of Judaism. And he is described as the meekest person on the face of the planet. Now, I recognize that Moses, like when he's first called, he has this slow of speech thing and pulls the I can't do it card. Um, but he's also the man that led the Israelites out of Egypt. He's also the man that got so pissed at the people he was leading that the stone tablets that contain the word of God, he throws down and smashes everywhere. This is also the guy who killed someone. And he's described as meek. Jesus, later in Matthew, is described as being meek. Jesus, the guy who goes head to head with religious and political leaders, who's not afraid of a little conflict, who goes into the temple and throws tables. I don't, so, this is funny. Each account of the gospel has like a different version of this story and contains different details. And in the account of John, they say that Jesus like takes cords and makes a whip. So I've always pictured this moment as like spontaneous anger and Jesus is losing it in the temple. <laughs> but like to take time to fashion a whip... <laughs> Like, that's a calculated, thought-out moment. <laughs> that is some controlled anger right there. And Jesus is described as being meek. When we look at the surrounding culture, 
how Hellenistic culture, Greek culture, looks at the word meek, it's considered a virtue. Socrates, the philosopher, was described as meek. People valued this. And so I'm going to be honest, I really, really, really struggled with this sermon and with this idea of like, okay, what is the unexpected announcement of meek? Like, if, is there something wrong with the lens by which we are studying this if this announcement doesn't fit into this unexpected piece? Because people like meek. I don't... So I, I struggled um, with that to the point where I met with Micah. <laughs> it was hard. <laughs> um, and so two things that come out of meekness. Um, that's really not readily available at first glance. You kind of have to dig for it. And it's this. In the biblical context, there is this radical, nonsensical trust and dependence on God. Moses went head-to-head with the most powerful man on earth, Pharaoh, and demanded that that he let his people go. How do you do that? unless you trust something beyond yourself, unless you are depending on something bigger than yourself. Jesus willingly walked to his death in his meekness. And I would say it's because he trusted something bigger than himself. Uh, Commentators use the phrase submission to the will of God. Um, I'd like to step aside for a second and share something with you. Submission, for me, is kind of a dirty word. And I don't know if it's because I'm a female and because I grew up in evangelical culture, um, but it's something that still holds oppressive connotations to me. And so to be reading this over and over and over again, submission, 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 To me, it's an abuse of power. That's how I hear that word. And so this morning, I don't know if that's true for all of you. I would imagine it's not, but I would imagine that might be true for some of you. And so I say that because I think it's important, and I don't want you to miss the beauty of what's here because of a word that's hard to stomach. And so I am going to use that word this morning because I think it needs to be rebaptized and reclaimed and renewed into something that brings life. So meekness is first and foremost submission to the will of God or to the rule and reign of God or to the hopes and dreams of God. Put another way, it is to come underneath where God is already moving, to participate in that, to follow the invitation of God and to trust it on the basis that God is good and that God is trustworthy. And the will of God is wholeness and completeness and flourishing, and it looks like life. And so the meek person runs with everything they have towards that. Blessed are the meek. And the second thing that meekness evokes is power. Now when I say power, I simply mean to control Uh, to have authority or influence over something or someone. Meekness does not mean absence of power. It actually strongly implies it. Um, 
The two main figures in our scriptures depicting meekness, Moses and Jesus, are definitely with power. Our friends in the windows, definitely people who had power and influence. But what characterizes the power of somebody who is meek is their gentleness, their mildness. For the people first hearing this, power was not that in the culture that they were living. Power was something that you submitted to. Power was something that you laid down to because if you didn't lay down to it, it made you lay down. The picture of Jesus, who didn't submit, who questioned the power of the local authorities, got him killed. But Jesus, the meek leader, submitted anyways. And again, I think it is this trust and dependence on something that is bigger than you, that even when something looks unjust, it is radical trust and dependence that what is happening is a part of something bigger, that actually Jesus is putting his own power underneath the power of God. And so when we take these two themes of submission or coming underneath the rule and reign of God and power, and we connect it to the second part of this beatitude, things get real. So inheriting the earth, this is a direct reference and implication of the Israelites entering into the promised land in the Old Testament. And so the promised land is just simply the geographical space of Israel. And the intent was for these people that God has called to inhabit the land and to be a light to the nations, to reflect to the surrounding cultures that God is good and God is trustworthy and he is one. And so this announcement that Jesus is making that these people are going to inherit the earth, light bulbs are going off in the first years and they're, they're realizing that this inheritance is at hand because they too are waiting for an inheritance, for the Messiah to come and inaugurate the kingdom of God and restore everything under the rule and reign of God so that there is peace and flourishing in the world. And in this Sermon on the Mount... In the Beatitudes, Jesus is saying, here it is, friends. Right here, right now, those of you standing on the fringes, not sure if this kingdom is for you, come. Walk in. Not sure if you have the power and the capacity to be in this kingdom, it's for you. So when we connect the kingdom that is being announced to the meek, I think this is a declaration, and the unexpected piece of this has to do with the nature of the power in the kingdom. This is power that does not crush people. It is not violent. It doesn't abuse its authority. It does not exploit. It does not oppress. It comes underneath, and it lifts up, especially for people who cannot do it for themselves. People who can't stand up against the crushing power of the systems that they are a part of. And the power of God and the power of the kingdom that brings, is power that brings life from death, hope from despair, that makes a way out of no way, that comes alive and active in human weakness. The power of the kingdom does not crush. It does not beat people into submission. It comes underneath and it lifts up. And where there is flourishing, there is the power of the kingdom. 
And so for us today, I realize that we can take a lot of angles on this. And I realize that I'm talking about some pretty intense things. Um, when we start to bring up power dynamics and systemic issues, it's a conversation, not a presentation. Um, but these are things that need to be talked about. Um, sorry, guys, I'm a newbie. Um, and the thing about trying to land this and what's true about the Beatitudes um, being an unexpected announcement uh, is that it describes something and it's the power of the kingdom. And so where I would like to land this morning is simple. Uh, if meekness is what characterizes the power of the kingdom, power that comes under and lifts up, and we are people of the kingdom, what does it look like to recognize the places that we have power and authority and influence and for it to be characterized by meekness? What does it look like to come underneath those around us so that they may flourish? I think sometimes um, when we think of power, we think that we have to have a title or a role or an official thing. And the truth is, is that if we're defining power as influence or places where you have authority, parents in the room, like you certainly have authority and influence over things. Honestly, any kind of social interaction. I work in customer service, you guys. I have a lot of influence on people. <laughs> um, human interaction breeds influence. And so what does it mean to acknowledge that you have the power of the kingdom? And what does it look like to come underneath those around you? One of the places I have been fortunate enough to spend the last 10 months is a day shelter called the Listening House. Um, it's right downtown St. Paul. Um, and so that is basically, there's a, just a place for homeless men and women to come uh, and to spend time. And uh, they have things like, so it's hospitality-based. People can use their address. Uh, which is a huge deal for someone who doesn't have a permanent address to be able to have things sent there. Um, they have over-the-counter drugs that somebody can get ibuprofen. Um, we have snacks, we have a TV, we hang out, we play games. And I've been volunteering there for about 10 months. This past Thursday was my last, which I'm really sad about, but my life is kind of crazy. <laughs> um, and so... There is a man that I met, his name is Colin. Um, and the first time I ever interacted with Colin, I was at the desk, and I see this man come up and he's got this book and he very intensely is writing and then taping these things in the book. And so I naturally ask Colin, what, what are you doing? Um, and I look and it's, it's the Bible. And so he begins to speak to me and to tell me about this mission that God has given him. For 15 minutes, he talked nonstop about things that didn't make sense, um, things that actually in the moment were a little upsetting for me, and I found myself countering everything he was saying in my head because I thought he was wrong. Um, 
and I was angry. And there was this moment where I recognized, here I am, this theologically trained, educated, um, economically stable person interacting clean. I showered that day. I'm behind the desk. I have this authority. And I'm interacting with somebody who doesn't have that. And my instinct was to shut him down, was to say, no, that's not right. But I didn't. And that was a moment where power showed up in a way that elevated Colin and lifted Colin up. Um, Every single Thursday for the last 10 months, he comes up to me and he tells me the same thing over and over and over again. And I actually, um, as of late, he's been writing it down for me. So I have these little pieces of paper. Um, He has taken me under his wing a little bit, seen me as one of his disciples, (laughs) which is funny. On Thursday, he announced that he was leaving. And so, like, guard this knowledge. Um, And there was something so beautiful and simple about that. And to acknowledge that there is sickness here. Um, And so what does it look like to listen and to come underneath and to let you talk and to let you give me your secret pieces of knowledge? What does that look like? And so I know I've been talking as if everyone in the room has power this morning. And in some senses, that might be true, where we do have power to influence one another. But I would like to acknowledge those of you who might feel powerless. Powerless against a system. Powerless against a sickness. Powerless against a burden. Powerless in a relationship. Powerless against an addiction, a circumstance, an emotion. And to you, I would say, come. Come to this Jesus who is meek and humble of heart. This Jesus whose power comes underneath you and lifts you up. And maybe for some of you, holds you up this morning. Come for the first time, come for the 1,000th time, and receive the life and flourishing that is in him. So in this next part of our service, um, I would like to give you an opportunity to respond. Um, So I'd like to invite John and the band to come up um, this morning. And as we've been doing for the last couple weeks, um, we've been taking a few minutes of silence after the teaching Um, And during that silence, I would invite you to ponder maybe one or both of these questions. And it's this. What does it look like to use your power and influence in the way of the kingdom for it to be characterized by meekness? And two, where is Jesus in the places that you feel powerless And so what we'll do uh, is after this time of silence, Micah will come up.
Um, and after that, we will enter into a time of song. And one thing that's been really cool that we've been doing during this series is we have this wall behind us, um, and we have been essentially writing our own Beatitudes. Um, so saying who it is that is blessed, um, offering any reflections or things that have maybe come up in us during these series, and so you are invited uh, when the music starts to come up there. Um, and so with that, I would like to pray. God, thank you for the gift that you are. For the ways you use your power to come underneath us and to lift us up. That you don't come over us and hold us down, but your desire for us is that we flourish. God, I pray over the places where we feel powerless and tired, and I ask that you would speak to us. In your name we pray. Amen. Friends, I would like to bless you this morning. In the places where you sense deeply your power, the places where you influence those around you, places where you have authority, and I would like to bless you in the places that you, where you don't have power. Where you feel like you can't get up, where you feel like you can't stand up. And to you, this Jesus, who is meek in his power, comes underneath you. So bless you this week. Grace and peace to you, friends. Find us online at www.awakencommunity.com or on Facebook at www.facebook.com backslash awakencommunity or on Twitter at awakencommunity. See you next time.